welcome to the Whispers of the Soul podcast, hosted by Sally Ann Marla and Sibby Spencer. Every week we dive into spiritually rich topics to create conscious conversations to help you, the listener, deepen into your own soul wisdom and practice. The space we create through our discussions invites you into your own inner world whilst we explore ours and our guest speakers. We come together to share stories, creativity, wisdom, insights and laughter. If you feel it's time to become more curious about your own uniquely creative, expressive self that makes you, well, you, then you are in good company. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Whispers of the Soul podcast. This is episode 19 and we are joined by the fabulous Katrina E. Lawrence. And today we're going to be discussing what does it mean to be neurodivergent? I'm Sally. And I'm Sibi. And a very, very warm welcome to everybody listening. So let me tell you a little bit about Katrina. So Katrina is a podcaster, artist, writer, and TikTok creator, but don't hold that against her. Her work centered around neurodivergence and her own journey with a late diagnosis. So very warm welcome, Katrina. Hi. Hello, lovely. Hello, hello. (laughs) We're very excited that you're here. Um, And I think a lot of people listening will have a interest in this topic and it needs to be talked about more and understood Mm. more. Um, so it's it's amazing to get you on so we can have that discussion. So for mm-hmm. people that may have heard of it but don't fully understand the mm. term, could you just explain a little bit about what it is, neurodivergent? Yeah, absolutely. So before I begin, I don't speak for all um, uh, things that fall under the umbrella of neurodivergent. So for me, I have um autism and ADHD yeah I also have OCD which is arguably neurodivergence or a response to being neurodivergent um and this the same is true for things like borderline personality disorder um Tourette's definitely falls under the category of neurodivergent and um also some people prefer the term neurodiverse or neurodiversity because it Mm -hmm. doesn't have the connotations of straying from the norm or the correct Mm -hmm thing um but I don't mind saying you're a divergent I don't mind being different yeah (laughs) (laughs) there we Um, laughed a bit of that (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so for me I have autism and ADHD and this is a very recent discovery um last year basically and the reason it took so long is because I am I was assigned female at birth I identify as female And as such, I was socialized in that way. So the way that I learned to mask, which is a term for basically amending your behavior to protect yourself, to fit into society, that looks different for me than it might someone who is, quote unquote, a boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that we are taught from a very early age to be caregivers. I think we have an advantage when it comes to emotional talking about our emotions and I think men tend to be at a deficit <laughs> with, yeah. with that but the way that we talk about our emotions has to be uh soft gently presented whereas you know again using this term very broadly men are told to express it through sport and exercise and they could be more angry um mm. so my internal responses haven't changed since I was two I'm still highly sensitive. I have extreme emotions, but I turn that inward a lot of the time rather than outward. So that isn't picked upon as easily. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's I, I was gonna ask you about masking because um because I think I think when you say the term masking, a lot of people might jump to the conclusion of that's always um presenting as just going going along with the crowd 
Would you say that masking, though, also is turning to other things to sort of um, affect your behaviour <clears throat> in the sense of like maybe alcohol or drugs or something to kind of fit in in that way to kind of to kind of like um, transcend your up the other mm. stuff does that does that make sense like 100 as a teen perhaps you start to mask in different mm-hmm. ways does that does that make sense to you yeah definitely so something that I speak about a lot is before I discovered I was neurodivergent I was in a 12-step program and at this point in my life I'm still clean and sober as they call it um and I think that's also some of the reason that it got missed because I was presenting as an alcoholic when that was Mm. me trying to medicate my own um emotional hyper arousal as it's known uh which isn't as fun as it sounds uh, just having very (laughs) extreme emotions um and masking meant that I was not having to think as much about so it was a way to unmask in a more so if I'm being you know quote unquote the kooky girly but yeah. I've had a drink inside me. That's much more acceptable than me just sort of presenting as I am. And, you know, it, it's the old Dutch courage thing. And it, it gave me confidence and I could sort of, uh, sorry, a lot of neurodivergent people have complex relationships with drugs and alcohol exactly for that reason, yeah. that it helps us either to mask or to feel comfortable enough to drop the mask. And I think it's really important to remember that masking isn't always this really conscious decision that we're making Mm. these are things that by the time certainly for a lot of people who are late diagnosed these are now inherent behaviors because we've learned them since we were little because we might have done something at school that we were then you know cast out from the tribe and never spoken to again and something that still affects me to this day is me doing something and a group of you know kids at the time no longer speaking to me and teachers or children saying to me, you should know what you've done. And I didn't know what I'd done because my brain doesn't work in the same way. And I don't understand the social cues or the context or relationships in the same manner that other people do. So then I would never learn. So then I'd just shut down and I wouldn't do that thing again. So it, it's like masking. I did a, a TikTok about this the other day, which is there's kind of a growing trend of people saying, just don't mask, just don't mask present yourself as you are society just needs to catch up and it's like hang on a minute the reason we do this is self-preservation it's to make our lives more manageable and it's unrealistic to assume that everybody else is just going to accept you for that in the same way that neurotypical people so people who don't fall into the umbrella of neurodivergence also have to learn not to be idiots I was going to say the c word but I won't on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Um, but do you know what I mean thank you Katrina (laughs) but but the difference is so that was me masking just then that was an example of me going hang on a minute you can't do that on here um but the the difference is when you are neurodivergent well so I I won't speak for the whole neurodivergent community as someone who has ADHD and autism knowing what masking is having power in being able to utilize that or drop it but more importantly for me it's knowing that I am going to experience I'm going to experience burnout after I have been in a situation where I've had to mask I'm going to be completely exhausted I'm going to be overstimulated everything's coming in sensory and I need to lie down and switch off and not speak to anyone Mm. so it's just having that awareness that we're always going to have to mask we're always going to have to adapt but finding people Because I always used to say I had different tiers of friends. And now I know what I meant by that, which is I have people I don't have to mask around at all. People I sometimes have to mask around. And and I would feel really guilty because I would recognise that if two people text me on one day asking me to hang out, one of them I wouldn't want to. And the other one I felt I could. And I now recognise that that's because I didn't have to mask around that person, but I did around that person. Mm. And my energy was spent. I couldn't, you know, so... Masking is very different to different people. Um, And also I did something the other day about, you know, I have to acknowledge my privilege in what I look like and me publicly stimming, which is um, stimulating. So, you know, I tap, I fidget. Sometimes I uh, say things out loud or I dance or I repeat words over and over again. 
someone that looks like me again is going to be like oh bit of a manic pixie dream girl whereas someone who doesn't look like me you know a large man someone who isn't white that's going to have greater repercussions to them than me so you cannot just say don't mask but equally I think it's really important for people to know what masking is and that they can absolutely create even pockets in their life where they don't have to do that and they can feel really authentically connected to people yeah yeah and and that's I think I think we're so much of what you're saying is is so I can just so identify with Mm -hmm. um and I think we're at this point aren't we where so many people of I mean I'm old I know you know I'm older than you but um of of my generation and and even you know and your generation have felt muddled and 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 sort of gone through life wondering if this is just what it is to be human you know is this just Mm. what everybody's like or (laughs) and and it feels like what you're doing is is bringing is so important because there's just so many people older um people who've led a big chunk of their lives kind of questioning and going well I don't know if I'm not normal or you know what I mean that it's so important to get this information out there Mm. people so that they can sort of investigate whether they want to get a diagnosis or even if they can just come to terms with Mm. their own behavior uh, you know and any addictions and things like that things that maybe have not made sense definitely their lives do you know what I mean yeah and I, I personally think there's a massive massive link between people who are labeled addicts alcoholics yeah. and people who are neurodivergent like I just yeah. think at this point in my life I think they're one and the same <laughs> um but yeah. I think that one of the reasons that people it takes us so long to to get towards a diagnosis aside from the fact that the you know medical uh what we're trying to say aside from the fact that the the sort of the diagnostics are based on archaic male-centric data mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. all that was collected it's not even the fault of the medical practitioners that's what they're given is that we surround ourselves as human beings with like-minded individuals so I have looked around at my core friendship group and gone Oh, it's because we're all neurospicy, <laughs> as the internet calls it. Oh, like, I love that. Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, like, it's that. Fun, isn't it? like, oh, the reason that it's um, like we all think this is kind of, as you say, quote unquote, normal behavior, perhaps better to say neurotypical behavior. Yeah. And if we're all doing it, it's not until we go out and go, oh, hang on a minute. No one else seems to be thinking in this way, acting in this way, struggling with these things. Mm. And then the other thing that I think is one of the biggest, one of the biggest reasons that people are reaching out to platforms like TikTok is that they're going to their family members and either it's known as disclosing. I don't like that word because I think it means that you're kind of disclosing something shameful, sort Mm -hmm. of either coming out officially with a diagnosis or perhaps they're on the path to diagnosis and they're saying to their family, I think this is something that's going on for me and these are the markers and their family are turning around and saying, I do that. So if I do that, you're fine. And mm-hmm. having, you know, having the other thing is guilt and shame. So as a parent, it must be really difficult to know that you have missed the signs. Um, and so a lot of people are kind of being met with what feels to them like not being believed, certainly not being validated um and some people's families are never going to get to that place because equally like if you don't want to acknowledge your neurodivergence and you don't want to go down that path that's so fine mm. um but it is again that that kind of thing of well if everyone in the family is doing it that means that you can't have it mm. rather than maybe we've all got it because that's a lot of work to to go down that road especially if you've not s- sought that information yourself you know yeah. yeah i think that's i think that's sometimes the problem as well because I know with my family, um, my mum's generation, I mean, she's um, 80 now. Mm. So her generation, you know, there there wasn't really any discussion around anything to do with mental health at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think my mum has struggled on and off with various different things, but never been given an official diagnosis. My dad turned to drink. Mm. 
to cope and as a as a man as a male he was highly sensitive even though I don't think he knew he was but I could tell he was highly sensitive Um, and my sister you know she was diagnosed with OCD at nine and uh, there's there's been so much around that and I think that a lot of the trouble in our family was the admittance then had to come before that generation before yeah. and how that followed yeah. and like you say there's an element of missing probably the signs or any guilt that might come up with that but it seems it seems like the generations before us have almost not been forced but there's been no alternative information or support other than just get on with it and so it's almost like that mentality then has almost been passed down in some ways in in my family anyway my experience it's been passed down as it's just kind of get on with it Mm, yeah (laughs) Um, and then and then like looking at me all the stuff that I've struggled with procrastination has been my biggest thing Mm, mm. um I've had like not like my sister but I've had the obsessive thoughts but not the compulsion to follow through Mm. nobody's talked to me about that and what that you know particularly when I was younger it was awful um and you just you you end up getting in this uh, pattern of thinking there's something wrong with yeah. you because mm. nobody you else is yourself that's yeah. kind of the things that mm. I need to put why am I doing this and you know in my in my experience for me uh, that set me down a self-sabotage self-destructive path oh yeah for sure and I think it's it's interesting listening to what you're saying that you know it is it's it's the it's the symptoms or the coping mechanisms that are diagnosed way before the the thing itself um whereas now these things are being recognized as possible quote-unquote symptoms of the core thing which is fantastic and Mm. I think there is fear but I think it's quite a knee-jerk over dramatic response to the sharing of information about this stuff on social media because I think it's actually a very small percentage very small percentage of people who see one TikTok video for example and self-diagnose off the back of relating to one symptom like usually it then you know they go into researching loads it becoming their new specialist subject and hyperfocus which in itself is a symptom (laughs) (laughs) And then and then going, hang on a minute. And and the reason that is so powerful is something that I experienced for the first time when I went to my first 12 step meeting years ago, which is that identification that you're talking about, the power of someone else saying these things that you thought were just you in your head that made you wrong, shameful, or you're the only person that's thinking it. And having someone say, not only do I completely understand where you're coming from, but I am a great person or and or I have coping mechanisms and strategies for this. And mm-hmm. that is so, so powerful. I don't you know, it's community at its essence. And there's nothing more powerful than that. And, you know, I am an oversharer. So I will happily go on my platform and talk about these things so that people can, number one, relate to what I'm saying. And number two, hopefully find ways to switch out potentially damaging coping mechanisms for more positive ones yeah yeah um yeah it's 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 great in that sense isn't it because it and 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 like going back to the feeling of and a tribe like finding a tribe as well and and I think definitely I've and I'm sure you have Sally but like you say you've got people in your life Mm. that you kind of are completely yourself and you kind of look at them and, and you go ah yeah. oh, maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, totally maybe. and and I've had those conversations with at least mm. two of my friends mm. you know we've kind of gone ah <laughs> yeah yeah and you know like I say everyone wears a mask everybody yeah, in the world course. you know you might put your game face on you might you know all of that sort yeah, of stuff of but it's the repercussions of that it's yeah. the conflict of self. It's the actual physical burnout, you know, all that stuff. But I find it so interesting that a lot of people seem to be going, oh, God, where have all these people come from? Oh, this trend in neurodivergence. And uh, and it's like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Why don't we flip it and acknowledge that actually it might be loads more people than we initially thought rather than people getting it wrong? So they're now saying it's one in 30 people in the UK have ADHD, whereas even 20 years ago, barely anyone was diagnosed with it. Certainly not 
you know, women. Um, and yeah, I can't remember what I was saying because that's what happens a lot with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with, with on that note, with the diagnosis, you know, part of me is thinking because obviously the numbers are increasing, part of me is thinking, well, maybe part of the reason of that is because it wasn't recognised. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. do- doctors had no awareness of it. That might be part of it. The other part of it is it wasn't recognised in women mm. as it was in men. Mm. And then there, are, there maybe there are other factors. I don't know. I mean, do you think mm. that the, the lifestyles that we have today, whether that's how you make your choices or the fast-paced life or diets, or do you think there's anything that's happening now that contributes to this? Or do you think it's just something that maybe is hereditary that's kind of there from the offset or you know how much of it is kind of the environment versus what mm. is going on with our our brains potentially so so i think it's really important to note that people with adhd and autism um our brains literally work differently Over they differently. respond differently they're wired differently so this isn't just you know there's always the nature versus nurture argument but yeah. our brains are different this is yeah. not um, and that and that's what I'm talking about in response to certain things, maybe not officially that people would call neurodiverse, but as I say, are a response to things and are more sort of behaviours over time. Mm. Um, but I think that one of the reasons is lockdown, because actually for some people that really suited, really suited them. Um, and they realised all the things they do in normal life and they went, hang on a minute something's going on here and they did that or people were left with their own brains and went the other way and went oh my god when I'm not able to do all these things that I have rigorously structured in place to be able to function in the world Mm -hmm. I fall apart then you've got people not able to do anything so turning to their phones turning to the internet turning to community online sharing things and so I think that's part of the reason that there's been such a massive spike I mean it's since then and yeah. it's people sharing things um, like that, you know, another reason that I think it's so important to have these spaces online for people to talk is that the diagnostic process at the moment takes years unless you can afford private. And even then, private isn't recognised by certain educational systems. So people are waiting. And, you know, if you are doing all this research on yourself learning all these things and then just not touching it again for five years until you get your assessment it's just like it's not it's not realistic very long yeah so for example right I if you'd have said to me even two years ago I think you're autistic I would have got offended Mm. I would have been like excuse me because I was fed things from the media and a very specific view of autism and how it presents. Yeah. And it isn't seen and it's seen negatively. And it's, you know, it's very particular. And then I was basically so I have something called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And there's a massive link between that and ADHD and autism as well. And I was listening to a podcast by a woman that wrote a book, uh Period Power, Maisie Hill. It's an amazing book. It's how to harness the power of your hormones so when you work best at certain things in your cycle and she was talking about her late diagnosis and the thing that caught my attention was she saw someone she knew on Facebook say that they had autism and she thought no she doesn't (laughs) and then she learned about the way that it presents in people socialized as female and went hang on a sec and Mm -hmm. And then I, and then that caught my attention. And then I was like, hang on. And then I learned that, you know, I have synesthesia, OCD, PMDD, all these things that are very often trypophobia, comorbid. And it was like all these light bulbs just kept going off. And then I went to this, to this art installation and there was visuals and there was noise and the noise was making me feel sick. Mm. And I just thought, hang on a minute. This is just this sensory experience I don't think this is happening for most people (laughs) and I for the first time because I'd started researching I thought I'm allowed I don't have to feel stupid or wrong I can say to my partner at the time I need to get up and leave because I feel sick and that's an example of masking so usually I would have sat there felt really nauseous that might have then led to me having a meltdown and or shut down Mm. and been like way 
bigger and more dramatic and then made me feel more different and da, 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 when actually I just went I need to get up and leave yeah and it's that that's the power of knowing is being able to advocate for yourself when you need to yeah do you know it's funny I'm two things I'm thinking of so one um my friend who is a very you know very very dear friend who I certainly don't have to mask in front of but we mm. when if we used to go into Manchester quite a lot mm. um and if we ever went in the day as soon as we went into the I don't know if you've been into the Trafford Centre oh shopping centres are my Trafford nemesis Center. it wasn't the Trafford <laughs> Centre that's, that's the new one isn't it it's it, there's, it's, it, it's one in the centre of Manchester anyway mm. And I, I assume, Arndale? Yes. Mm. Arndale. As soon as we'd go in, I just used to just jump. <laughs> right. And I remember her saying to me, Are, are you okay? Like, are you all right? And I just used to just, it, something just would come over me and I'd just go completely like into a different zone. Mm. And it was as though I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And I, mm. so I just used to go. And um, it happened, it happens a lot in shopping centres. Yeah, um, they are that one, and there's something about that one. Oh that my goodness! Know. Yeah, so it's what... sorry. No, you go. Sorry, I'm getting no, no, I'm no, interrupting. I'm just, go, it's go, a go. similar thing because um, I've also recently been talking about uh, we're, we're taking the kids to Euro Disney, which, and I and I've said that um, I was saying to a friend the other day that I'm going to have to go after a day at Euro Disney. I will have to go and lie in a dark room. Yeah. right and d disney myself because yes. i just i the whole yeah. the thought of it yeah. and now this is making sense to me why i'm finding the idea of it so challenging yeah. of going to euro disney because there's other reasons why but there's also the whole the whole overwhelm of ah stuff what in the is. face and do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, oh, I, I know what you mean. It's you know? sensory overload. That's it's what like, it is. I so, have to go and lie in a dark room, but I've told Clint that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's you. So that's you already. So, and this is the thing that I mean is, I would try and explain these things to people, or I wouldn't because I'd feel stupid yeah, yeah, because yeah. I didn't know it was quote unquote no. a thing. So, but now I have the language to say, um, I have sensory overload, or that's going to overstimulate me. So I'm going to either need to not do that um, because it's going to mean that I can't function for a week or I'm going to try this thing, but I might need to leave early or I might need to wear my headphones or I might need to yeah. take a, something to stim with. So that means like something that I can tap, squeeze, so I'm not doing it to myself physically mm. um, if, if it's going to hurt me. Some some stims are absolutely fine. They're completely safe. Um, but... And, and this is what's great is all you would need to do on TikTok is comment and say, like, you're a Disney and everyone would be already laughing, already going, you don't even need to say anything. I totally get it. Like, Hilarious. absolute hell. Like, you because know, it's, it's a way of me. I've only just recognised that mm. and, and not and I haven't got a diagnosis or anything, but mm. what I'm what I'm. I'm knowing it's knowing yourself, isn't it? Whether or not you've got a diagnosis, it's being it's yeah, being, it's feeling aware, yeah. confident to say, um, yeah. actually, that's going to be massively mm. um, overwhelming for me. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. and and I'm 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 feeling more able to say those things now. You know, totally. like yeah. And I had it at Christmas actually. So I was. So, so so the other thing is with my premenstrual dysphoric disorder I have a, a a a time in the month where I would always experience something which was I couldn't look people in the eye I couldn't speak and I would just silently cry and I couldn't function I now know that is an autistic shutdown right. and the reason that happens is we are more highly sensitive at a certain point of our cycle so the sensory input I cannot, it's, it's, it's even more intensified and I don't have the energy reserves to mask and it's, and it's huge emotions. So I was experiencing that, but not knowing what it meant. Um, and the same with meltdowns. I've always called my meltdowns meltdowns. Like I am like, oh, I'm having a meltdown. But what was really interesting was at Christmas, I was at that point in my cycle, I was also experiencing deep heartbreak. And the other thing with 
a lot of people who with ADHD and autism, we love limerence. We love the idea of romance. We love that sort of like living in the, oh my God, because you've got really big feelings. That like up and down. Yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot going on. So I went home for Christmas and I knew it was too much. I knew it was too much. So I went to my mum's house and I just, I was doing all the things that usually make me feel better because I, I had a meltdown coming on and it was like, I went for a, I got outside, I went for a walk, I put a song on repeat, I did all these things and it wasn't shifting. And I sort of burst back into the door and was just crying. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't come to, you know, big Christmas, which was going to see all the extended family. Mm. And I was able to use the language that made me feel like I was validated in my experience. And I was able to back myself up with ADHD and autism, rightly or wrongly. Like I might not have needed to do that, but for the first time I was able to say, I can't do this. And I felt heard and they went, we get it. It's okay. We understand. We hear you. And it was such a massive thing for me. But before, I maybe wouldn't have been able, well, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do that at a certain point. So I would have drunk. I would have maybe self-harmed and ended up in hospital, which was a regular occurrence for me. I would have had a meltdown and made everyone else feel extremely uncomfortable because I've been crying or, you know, all these things. And I just went, I can't do it. And they went, we can see that and we can see how much you try. It was making me physically ill, you know. And a lot of people late diagnosed are experiencing chronic fatigue or at least extreme tiredness and it's because of all the masking you know it's because Mm -hmm. you know like if someone interrupts me in a certain situation I want to punch them in the face now I know that that's not okay right but (laughs) have you been punched me in the face no never 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 (laughs) but virtually I'm I'm talking about landlords yeah 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 that's fine Patronizing men to generalize usually. Um, so I, but no, but in all seriousness, it can be anyone because it, it can be that I'm talking about my, I'm in a hyper focus or I'm talking about my specialist subject or I've got something rehearsed in my head that I need to say. And I know that if I don't say it all, I'm going to forget because I have executive dysfunction, which means I can't remember things. So I'm talking and if someone interrupts me, I, my response is punch them. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do that because I want to be perceived as a nice person. I don't actually want to hurt anyone. But that actually takes a lot of energy to physically restrain yourself, to keep in the words, to not have an outburst, like all these things that a lot of people don't have to consider that. They don't keep all that stuff in. So, you know, obviously, that's a benefit of masking. Like, I I would prefer to expel that energy, (laughs) keeping that in than doing that to someone but there's a lot going out on and I also have like 5,000 things going on in my head at once in a monologues I have time blindness so it's a lot like my my brain in itself when I actually sit and describe it to someone people are like oh my goodness that's a lot (laughs) get out the door yeah (laughs) yeah that's part of the there's the the good things that social media and like like how you're using TikTok, some of the positives in that is it really is helping with that educating others and feeling freer to talk about your experiences and and um, share them in a way that feels more empowering, like you're owning it. This is my experience that, and that people can communicate in that way. I think that's a really positive mm. thing. I know there's some not very positive things about social media, but that's one of the positive things in how it's... Mm how it's being used and how um you know how people can then start to connect yeah. more and understand mm. their own journeys and their own stories um and i'm just wondering for people listening that may um may never have been diagnosed mm. or for people listening that may be relating now and they're potentially using certain coping mechanisms mm. If or, or they're or they're witnessing it in their child, mm. you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of what you're explaining in mm. my eldest, and I've not really been given very much support in trying to get him a diagnosis because the doctors won't, and then the schools are passing it back and 
back and forth it goes and like you say it can take years to try and get something sorted but if if what what would you say is um something that that people can do that's not a coping mechanism or masking in the sense of it's destructive but something that they can do that's helpful um so as we're talking about this subject I'm just going to share that as you were speaking then I was literally trying to hang on to bits of what you were saying to remember them and now it's all completely gone but I'm going to do my best (laughs) so I think because there's several parts to that and I think it's really gorgeous firstly that you are aware of that and you want to help facilitate him and him not you know feel different and I think what's really difficult is often when we are overstimulated um or we're in a really emotional place we 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 struggle to communicate and it's not us being rude we physically so I have um something which is known as selective mutism um I'm not selecting when it happens I'm not in control of that um but I will uh not be able to 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 speak um I will also have uh so so there's mutism and then there's also non-verbal um, so non-verbal is when I can't use words, but if I'm having a complete shutdown, I can't text, I can't make eye contact, I can't do anything. So what I'm now doing is I have learned uh, in my body what when a shutdown's coming, I can feel it. And as soon as I feel that, I send, there's an emoji, which is the um, line through the phone in a circle Mm-hmm. So if there's anyone that I'm in regular communication with that day or my close inner circle, I just send that. Mm-hmm. Now, I've obviously had to learn in my body, in my mind, what I don't shame myself for the fact that shutdown's coming. They're not fun, though, you know, but I just need to go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is about figuring it out in our body. So, for example, because I'm becoming more aware, I will literally in the past have had a meltdown and then taking that to the most extreme outcome because my fingernail felt funny but because I didn't know what was going on I thought oh my god and I and I and I acted on the on the emotion and it got worse because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me so I think it's I I did a video about this in that mainly it's something that is a derivative of a meltdown or a shutdown So when I'm having a meltdown, I have to expel that energy. I am rageful. That can be two channels of noise happening at the same time. It makes me violently angry, right? And if I can't get away from that, that's just going to escalate. So I... I have a sense of humor about it, but also if, if that reaction comes out in me, I that that's happening. That is very real for me. So I I know that I need to be away from people. And a lot of the time, I think people struggle with when I want to be left alone, it is nothing to do with the people around me. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm guilty of this sometimes. I think that care is listening, talking to, holding people, and it and actually like. I will, I will like get away from me. And I have to say, if I'm I'm still in the space where I'm able to communicate, I need you to leave because this anger is going to be directed at you. Mm. And like, if someone has autism, ADHD, and they are being asked to be left alone, leave them alone. That is them recognizing what they need. And I often, and I've been like this since I was a child, if I can go and go away for five minutes to two hours, whatever it is, and do what I need to do to calm myself down. I will bounce back in the room and I'll be fine. I might be exhausted from a meltdown, but I'll be okay. So meltdowns, it's generally speaking, it's about expelling energy. So I will listen to a song on repeat because that calms me. That's the coziness that I need. And then I will move my body. Um, And it's about noticing it in your own body what the kind of common signs are so that you can implement the solution as quick as possible and when it comes to a shutdown I need zero and I mean zero pressure to communicate or do or have to partake so if I'm having a shutdown my nearest and dearest now know that I need to be taken away from that environment immediately 
and I need to probably stare at a wall <laughs> in silence or watch my favorite comfort show on repeat again and again and again. And it's, it's if you're shut down and you're nonverbal, if someone is putting pressure on you, even if that's from a place of care of like, tell me what's going on for you, you know, communicate, let me know. I can't help you. I always say to people, you need to preemptively tell people. So when you can, and when you're in a better place, a more communicative place, that's when it's good to, to ask your son when he's feeling more in that and say, do you mind if we just talk about, um, because the other thing is, um, because I feel emotions so extremely um, and I'm highly empathetic, sometimes talking about something will take me to that place. Mm -hmm. So I personally really like it when people say to me, do you mind if we talk about this? And I say, no, I don't want to talk about that now, but I will talk in the future. I mean, let's be honest, I'll probably go, no, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to learn to save her another time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all of it. So to me, to summarise, it's like, is it a meltdown where I need to express energy? Is it a shutdown where I need to conserve energy? We're trying to figure out sort of sooner, like um, more quickly, should I say, um, what the physical and emotional markers are and then doing the thing that needs to be done as soon as possible mm. does that yeah no that makes sense that's really helpful and mm. you know I'm 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 so pleased you've explained it that way because it gives me a tool as a parent mm. to recognize the difference between the two mm. um, yeah and you know I, I I work with energy I'm an energy healer and so mm. I can read the room a bit I can read mm. him and so mm. I can tell if it's like so it's really useful the way you explain it. I can tell if it's a surge of something or yeah. if it's a, or if it's a coming in and a I mm. need to cut off mm. type mm. of energy. And I think for people listening, that's also going to be super beneficial because Yeah. Yeah. And and giving him the power and asking him and yeah. saying, you know, yeah. do, do you recognize? And then that might make him think, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or just saying, like, right, I'm here. If you figure something out that you think might be beneficial, let me know. Yeah. Because also when we're teenagers and our parents are going, what do you need? Tell me about this thing. They're just like, oh, go away. Whereas if it's yeah. sort of more of a, we're yeah. dropping that in there and something that we spoke about the record, which is pathological demand avoidance, which I suffer from and is horrendous. And is so it it's basically, it there's, there's a lot of things that fall into it. One of which is, finding life so difficult and anxiety inducing that we prefer to live in the fantasy. We find a uh, sort of quote unquote normal life so difficult that we will go to sometimes extremes to avoid it if we're not aware of how our brain works. But mm. also it's that thing of, and I remember saying this a couple of years ago to someone, I said, they were trying to get me to go climbing with them. And I was like, okay, leave it with me. And then they brought it up again and I said, right, I don't like that this is how my brain works. But if you tell me or you bring this up again before I've got there, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then they brought it up again and I went, right, do you know what? This is a perfect example. I was going to do it until you, you asked me and now I'm not doing it. And it's not, it's not, believe me, I don't like that about myself. And I wish I could push past that. But it's a physical thing in the same way that ADHD paralysis is a physical weight on my chest my arms are heavy I no longer say I'm procrastinating because it has connotations of oh, I can't really be bothered yeah. it's paralysis if I could do this thing that you are asking me rather than wake up each morning and sometimes be in tears because I cannot bring myself to do it like I would be doing it trust me it's my executive function it's my brain doesn't work in the same way it's not a choice and I think that Part of the reason as well that this has come to light now is good old capitalism, because the things that are quote unquote wrong with our brains in society is it's all to do with productivity. That yeah. is what this comes yeah. down to. If we weren't yeah. living in in that as the, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of success, yeah. we probably wouldn't even be having to address these things. Like we'd be aware, but it wouldn't be an issue. Whereas the more and more that, this is becoming, I can't remember what I was going to say, but that. 
yeah it's funny Uh, I was I was just gonna gonna sort of bring that in about um the way society is structured and the 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 way that the the value now that we place on getting to know ourselves Mm. you know and and getting to know what makes us tick (laughs) Mm. there's so much more value in that and it's also bringing to light so much diversity in how we tick Mm. and it doesn't fit in with the Mm. it doesn't fit with the structures that are in place and it feels like we've we've talked about this in in many different ways haven't we spiritual you know that there's a spiritual um revolution or ascension going on that that there's stuff with the structures that have got having to fall away because we can't we they don't you know what I mean? We we are not fitting into those structures anymore, which, you know what I mean? It's it's like, it feels like we're on the cusp of things massively changing because there are too many of, of us mm. that don't, um, like, that aren't just productive in that way, oh, you know, that, that, don't, that don't conform, that aren't on the conveyor belt, that aren't, that success, yeah. we're learning that success is not, you know, success is about being happy and finding happiness rather than how much we produce or earn or, you know, own or there's just, I feel like it's, this is all linked really, you know, the. Yeah, for sure. And I, I really um, acknowledge what you're saying. I do think it's also important to acknowledge that for some people that isn't even a thought to them. They've never even considered that because they, come from a certain level of education they sit at a certain point in society where it is still um work to survive yeah and 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 they can't consider the wider philosophical structures of life like that that's not that's not in there you know it is still you get you get up you go to work you do what you can I'm struggling at school they're never you know (laughs) And this is why the modelling needs to come in from, it has to be an educational level of children, ADHD, autism, like all the other sort of neurodivergent things, because if, if that isn't, if that isn't, it's all about accessibility. Um, And I think that certainly my hope is that when it comes to education, you know, education started by putting it was schooling. It was putting children yeah. in schools to learn to do factory work. Like, and, it and then while, it, yeah, and it was yeah. only times while their parents, because their parents were working, they need to be on yeah. The and then it started, <laughs> and then it started changing about about what was important. And you know, it, it it's been discussed for a long time that um, you know, it's it's one way of teaching for myriad brains, and people get left behind. Da, 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 da. And I think that will eventually you know change but again it's like that's one of my arguments for people when they're talking about masking is is yeah do I think this is the societal structures that are in place should change absolutely do I think that's going to happen significantly enough in the next five ten years that people will be protected if they completely don't mask no so I think that it's so wonderful that we can have we can lean to, um, you know, spirituality or consider the way that we eat and all that kind of thing. But I think it is important to recognise that that isn't everyone. And again, it's us surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals um, and that for some people it is still sort of a survival thing, a case of surviving every day Mm -hmm. and that they are potentially just going to be told there's something wrong with you rather than, an expanding of what that means for them yeah totally I I I, te- I think that's a really good point and let's just hope then that the changes that are happening you know mm-hmm. will filter through enough yeah time, you know so yeah are are not having to live in this survival um fitting in you know mm. like you say just trying to fit into this routine or this way of living that literally meets their needs of survival and that's it yeah well I mean you know it's like art 
phil- uh, philosophy musing about things and creativity yeah. is born of having time to be able to do yeah. that if you are getting up and you are feeding your kids and that's all you have time to do and you have to get the cheapest food and you know, you, you don't have time to think yeah. about these things yeah. but your kid might have some time and they might have access to TikTok. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're looking at, and, and it is it is that, it's like this education is coming in from different places. And, you know, no, it isn't as uh, standardised and filtered. And obviously there's, there's there's repercussions that can happen with that, but at least it's it's being accessed to some degree, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of, TikTok. Oh yeah. <laughs> People want to find you, Katrina. How can they do that? Um so I know can... you've got you're on TikTok, aren't you? Yes. I just hit 30,000 followers on TikTok. Ooh, I know. That. Yes, that's, awesome. that's a nice little thing. Woo-hoo. Um, so I am oh my god, right. So my handle <laughs> is so you can either go Katrina E. Lawrence, yeah, or my handle is Catastrophica. Yeah, I love that. I love love it. And it's the (laughs) same on uh, Instagram as well. But there's loads of stuff. There's like community threads, there's stuff about relationships, uh, naming certain things, uh, help with communication, coping strategies. So, and also lots of silliness as well. So, yeah. (laughs) We need need both. We need silliness. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So um, I'll pop all those details. in the show notes as well so people can find you Stunning. Um, and uh yeah yeah have a look at your videos and i'm sure it's going to be super helpful i already asked oh i hope so yeah but thank you so much for joining us and i'm sh- and i know that people listening will have absolutely loved today's yeah it's been really podcast really interesting. i've learned a lot and so and i'm sure people will listening will have learned a lot so thank you so much for thank you well sharing your story well, and thanks for letting me come and just info dump all over you which is again something that I do oh it's, it's brilliant it's what we wanted yeah yeah, yeah. we nearly went for info dump but we we went <laughs> with yeah. a soul in the end gladly oh brilliant okay thank you so much thank you thank That's you lovely. thanks for listening so if you would like to connect to us elsewhere in the multiverse, well, you can. You can find me, Sally, at thecreativeview.co.uk or on Instagram as the.creative.u. For Sibby, her website is healingrights.com and she's also on Instagram as Sibby Rights. Lots of love. See you soon. <laughs>